And these colleges, you want to remember that they're nonprofits, most of them, but they are big businesses and they are serious about their yields. And it's all about net revenue for them. They have their sticker price. They know some families are going to pay full price, but they know the lion's share of them aren't. So this is where you as parents, you want to understand the discounting. And really, it's different for every family, every student, and it differs from school to school that might be on your child's list. This is Money Conscious from Millstone Evans Group. I'm your host, Sasha Millstone. Join me as we discuss investing, financial planning, and life. Visit us at millstoneevansgroup.com and thanks for joining us. I am delighted to have the opportunity to have a conversation with Peg Keo today. Things have changed quite a bit in the world of college funding. This is definitely not our parents' college funding environment. Peg is Director of Education at College Age Pro, and she's been doing financial planning since 2005, but she found her real calling when her twins hit high school. She did a deep dive into all things college and quickly realized how complicated and stressful the college funding process had become. She had an aha moment and realized she could combine her decade of experience in financial planning and wealth management with her in-depth knowledge of college financial planning to really impact families. This led her to found her business, Way to the Quad, I love that title, where she helped thousands of parents navigate the complicated college financial planning journey so they could proactively secure discounts on the cost of college. Peg brought this passion to College Age Pro, where as Director of Education, she is an integral part of the education planning process for both parents and financial advisors. Peg is a recognized thought leader and frequent speaker at schools and organizations and she's a member of the Higher Education Consultants Association, the Pacific Northwest Association for College Admission Counseling, and the National College Advocacy Group. Peg holds degrees from Cornell University and Indiana University. Welcome, Peg. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, as I mentioned, we were fortunate to meet the folks at College Age Pro who are advocates for the college education consumer. And your software is like a college crystal ball. It really gives the consumer transparency and it's very empowering. Our goal today is that by the end of the podcast, our listeners have learned all the things they may not know that they really need to know about getting their kids into colleges and creating a college funding strategy. And we probably have grandparents on the call who have pre-college aged grandkids. And if you find this discussion enlightening, your family might really appreciate you sharing this podcast with them. There seems to be a lot of stress around this process of getting into and paying for college. Why do you think that is? Well, obviously this has become a really expensive investment if grandparents are helping or for parents and, and that causes stress right off the bat. 
Then you add in all the noise that's out there between the media and all the different sources and conflicting information. That doesn't help either. And then the third piece here is this is something dealing with your children, right? Something near and dear to your heart. So it's not like buying a car or buying a house. I always like to say that parents, they know what they know, they know what they don't know, and they don't know what they don't know. So it's really, it's in this process, and it sounds a little cheesy, knowledge is really power and understanding how things work will take so much stress off your shoulders. You know, I, I see people all the time and I noticed this before I started my business. They're, they're literally like drifting through this, right? And it's just a very costly mistake to do that. I really encourage you. And by the end of this podcast, you should be much more able to do this to be proactive around this process instead of reactive. And I just want to tell you a story of a mom who was very reactive so that you can see what I'm talking about. She called me very excited, but also a little dejected. It was, you know, in the spring of her son's senior year. I'd never talked to her before. And she said, Peg, you know, my son got into his dream school and they gave us $20,000, which was great, but they expect me to pay 40 and you got to help me. I don't know how to pay $40,000 a year. Well, at that point, I helped her, but there's only so much I can do to support her. And she's reacting to the colleges and their offers. So that's that's what I mean by being proactive versus reactive. When do you think that families should start thinking about and researching colleges? They really ideally should start when their child is a sophomore in high school. And that might sound a bit crazy to some of your listeners because it's like, wow, why would I think about paying for college that far ahead? Well, the main reason is that the tax year, because colleges are going to care about your income and your assets and the tax year that they're initially going to ask about when your child's a senior and you're filling out financial aid forms starts in January of your child's sophomore year in college. So Really getting your head around things and understanding how they work is ideal if you can do it sophomore year before that that tax year begins. Yeah, that can make a big difference because if you are not paying as much attention, you could take some actions financially that would potentially give you larger capital gains or something along those lines that would hurt your chances. Yeah, exactly. Capital gains is a big one. Sometimes people take distributions out of retirement plans because they want to do something and then they pay it back. But then the college, it's there and then they got to talk around it. It just, it creates, it creates stress. So just knowing that is very helpful for parents to say, all right, I got to keep that that in mind about tax years. Yeah, let's make this as less stress as possible. So I understand that there are really three areas to focus on when we're thinking about finding the right fit of college for each student. So there's academic fit and personal fit and financial fit. What data does College Age Pro provide around these three areas. Let's start with financial fit. Yeah, the the main focus of our software, College A Pro, we just call it CAP, right? For short, is the financial fit. 
but there are places and as we're as we're having our conversation I'll even point them out when I'm sharing different things about the software there are places that touch on the academic and personal fit but the financial fit is the main is the main focus and it's to help it's really to support families and to help them to understand financial aid and where they fit. But really, all three fits are equally important. And the ideal scenario is to be looking at all three at once. And it's pretty typical that people, they know to focus, we got to look at schools with certain majors if my child wants to be an architect or I know my child wants, you know, football on the weekends and maybe a Greek system and a middle-sized school. That's the personal and academic piece. So I pe- think people naturally gravitate to researching that and thinking about that. But again, that financial fit tends to be, well, we'll figure that out later. And that's what at College Aid Pro, we're really trying to encourage and educate families all over the country. Like, hey, jump in, look at all three. And if you're working with a counselor who doesn't do that, that's totally fine. Find a professional like Millstone, people that can do this, that you complements that. And then you're looking at all three fits. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Delaying the financial part is probably the last thing you should be delaying because if you don't pay attention to the financial fit, you could end up with a potential set of colleges that just isn't going to work out very well for you. Right. And unfortunately, I see that every year. I have families reach out and they've got a child who just did a bang up job and did all their applications and got into schools And then the parents are scrambling because they don't think they can afford it. And that is really avoidable. It really, really is. And you don't want to be, you parents out there, you don't want to be leveraging your retirement. And, and And I say this all the time to people and they usually smile, but I'm really not kidding. Colleges don't really care if and when you retire. That's something you want to care about, right? They they they're they want your child to come. They want you to spend as much money at their institution as possible, right? So that's not their their charge. That's got to be something that you own and you keep in mind all the time. Well, one thing that's fascinating and that I don't think many people really understand is that when it comes to the question of how colleges set their prices, a lot of people aren't aware that a lot of times, even though the school publishes a price, the cost of college is actually not set in stone. So I thought maybe you could describe for our listeners the concept of discounting. Yeah, and this is is to me the fun part of this, but it's very counterintuitive that that a college that costs maybe $70,000 with the discounting that they do could have a similar price to almost an in-state institution. So all colleges are discounting their cost of attendance. Cost of attendance is the whole enchilada. It's tuition and fees, room and board books, transportation, personal expenses. And as we all know, this has been going up for decades, right? And so the most expensive schools now are almost at $90,000 a year, right? But they're all discounting what I call their sticker prices, right? Just like when you go to the car dealership, pretty much you don't buy what's on the windshield, right? That price, you're going to, it's going to be knocked down. It's not the same process. The colleges will start discounting right away and they're all doing it. But unfortunately, 
They don't do it in the same way. There's two vehicles that they use to do it. They do it through giving need-based grants, like financial need-based grants. And then what's called, they could be scholarships, called scholarships sometimes to be confusing. But then they they also offer what's called merit scholarships. And that's non-need-based aid. So has nothing to do with your ability to pay. Bill Gates's kids can get merit scholarships. So they're doing this in some schools, use both. Some schools use exclusively one. They're just not all the same, like I said before. And these colleges, you want to remember that they're nonprofits, most of them, but they are big businesses and they are serious about their yields. And it's all about net revenue for them. They have their sticker price. They know some families are going to pay full price. Like they're going to write that full check, but they know the lion's share of them aren't. And they have net revenue targets and they're very... It's very slick. They have departments called enrollment management departments that have hopped, popped up in the last decade or so. And it, it really is big business. So this is where you as parents, you want to understand the discounting. And really, it's different for every family, every student, and it differs from school to school that might be on your child's list. So I feel like we should, even though this is not a visual event today, I feel like we should have a flashing red light around this whole concept. Because when I said at the beginning, this is not our parents' college funding. This is totally new and different from, you know, just like you said, like the last 10 years. And it's very important for everyone to be aware, this is normal. You're expected to do this. You're not asking for any favors. So it's just how do you do it and what is the process? So you mentioned merit scholarships. Can you talk a little bit about the general criteria for a student to receive a merit scholarship? Most merit scholarships are based on grades and test scores. There's also ones for, you know, their athletic scholarships, but those are much harder to get, right? Few and far between. There's talent scholarships if you have a child in the arts or in music, but the lion's share of them do revolve around grades and test scores. And if you have some parents here with high school kids, you're probably familiar with this test optional It was available before COVID, but then there was just a huge onslaught of it because kids couldn't take SAT and ACT because of COVID. Rest assured, don't be stressed. Colleges are still giving merit aid without test scores because they have to, right? This is part of this discounting that I'm talking about. The Office of Admissions offers merit aid. Say your child applies to a school early, gets it in by September, and say the school's rolling admissions, which means they they give out acceptances every three or four weeks just as they come in. Your child could get accepted to a school November 1 saying, congratulations, you got the provost scholarship for $100,000. You maybe haven't even submitted financial aid forms. So the admissions office really wants your child and is starting to discount. And in my example, $25,000 a year. And that is not an atypical merit award. I mean, I see them ranging from $5,000 all the way up to, you know, $30,000, $35,000 a year. That's that's not really the thirty-five thousand isn't isn't typical, but in that fifteen to twenty-five range, it happens a lot. And the beautiful thing for Sasha and I as planners is that merit aid is almost always 
guaranteed for four years as long as the student maintains a GPA. So for you parents too, it's wonderful when you're planning for your four years that you can count on that discount every year. And so that's how Merit Aid works. And for some families, that's the name of the game for discounts, right? Because they might not get need-based aid. They might not be eligible for need-based aid. Right. You mentioned that it's testing optional. Do you generally recommend that students take the tests? And if so, what do you think about enrolling the students in prep classes to take them? Your first part of your question, should they should they take the test? I think it, you know, now that we're kind of out of the big big scare of COVID and speaking as a parent and a professional, I think kids should take the test. Just just take them, try it, right? Why not? See where you fall because it's test optional. So that means you can submit scores. And when you look at the stats at some schools of the percent of kids they're accepting, they might be accepting more kids that actually do submit test scores and have good test scores, right? So when your child does take the test and maybe takes it twice, then the whole idea of should I submit the scores is a whole nother piece. And I'm not a counselor, so I don't want to act like one. And I wouldn't, I don't know that I would even tell a child. I would definitely say, talk to your counselor. But there's a science to that because at certain schools, if you get a 1200 on your SAT or 1300, a counselor might say, definitely submit it because that's going to look good compared to who you're competing against. But at another school, like an Ivy League school, it would be a don't submit that, right? You've got a great GPA, you've got a great resume, don't submit that, right? So there, there are strategies around submitting, not submitting. As far as test prep, I think there's two parts to that answer. One, you got to know your child, right? I have twins, as, as Sasha said, and one of my kids, I pushed him and I said, you need to do more prep you can get your SAT up. That can help us with merit aid. My daughter, she had enough going on. She wasn't good GPA, but not the best at four and a half hours on a Saturday morning taking a test. So I just said, nah, we're done. You've done your best. Move on. So that's kind of a parent thing. You know your child, right? And kids have so much on their plate and so much stress that we don't want to add to that. So that's that's one piece. But test prep can be really, like I said with my son, it can really be cost effective because if your child does some prep and in certain cases bumps up their scores a little bit, it could make the difference between two different merit awards. It, it really could. So that's a financial consideration. Should you spend a little on test prep or they're, if they're motivated enough as teenagers to do it on their own, which is a big F, right, without a program, um, it, could, it could be really good on your pocketbook, right? Because it could save you, you know, if you bump it up, like just another story with my son, you know, if if he got 60 points more at the school he was at, that gave him a $9,000 merit award instead of four. Well, that's $20,000 in my pocket over four years. So that was well worth spending a little bit of effort and telling my son, hey, we're, we're, we're investing a lot of money in you for your next chapter in life. In my opinion, like that's kind of the least you could do is bone up and, you know, 
do a little studying. And actually in our software, that's something we've got all the merit awards in there. And if the colleges say what's needed for them, it's right in there. So you can see that data where you can see, wow, the provost, if you go to the dean level, the GPA is a little higher or, you know, test scores are a little higher. Hey, you only need to get a 32 ACT and you already have a 31. Let's try again, right? Let's do a little bit more prep. So I say the summary is bring all the tools in the toolbox to the party and see which ones are going to make a difference, the most difference with the schools that you end up focusing on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You also started to talk about the College Age Pro software, and it truly is a remarkable tool. I, I could just tell everybody I am thrilled that we found out about this the software. It's changing our ability to help people by a huge order of magnitude. So I thought we could start out with you talking a little bit about how the software does change the way families can approach finding the right college for their kids. It certainly makes it easier to start that process, but tell us a little bit about why it's such a fabulous program. Yeah, so what, what we've done is we've created a program that when you enter five minutes worth of financial data, and if you're working with an advisor, then you're guided through it. So it's it's facilitated to get that in there, that we're immediately, we're telling you what your expected family contributions are. And that's just the amount the colleges think you can afford. But then we're saying, here's your projected net cost. We're showing you your discounts. They're not guaranteed to the penny, right? This is for planning purposes. But we're showing you that, hey, XYZ school costs 65, but we think you're going to make 40. And then we're telling you it's because you're going to get this amount of need-based grants or you're going to get, we're projecting for you to get this provost scholarship that's worth whatever, $25,000 a year. So we have both need-based projections and merit scholarship projections. And as I just said a minute ago, we have all the merit scholarships for all the schools in there. So even if the software through the data that's plugged in says, hey, we're projecting this, you can always go in and say, you know what? You're going to keep prepping. Let's see what it looks like if you get more. Or yeah, we think that's too conservative. It's your program. It's your planning. So you can always go in and make changes. But we're all this stuff we're talking about, about discounts, you were probably all thinking, all right, well, how do how do I know how these colleges discount? How do I know what my projections will be? That's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're giving you that information and opening up your eyes to the different types of schools and which ones will be more affordable than others because of the discounts. So you mentioned two things. One is you slid in there that the families can also be searching the database, not just the planner. And that is a super cool feature, is that we are able to give the families the access to the information, and they can continue to work on their search and involve their kids as well, which I think is very, very powerful. We kind of addressed a lot about the financial fit part, but maybe we can talk a little bit about how the database searches can help with the personal fit. 
Yeah. So we have something called advanced search. So you can plug in if you have your favorite schools and you want to put in your alma maters, you know, you can do all that sort of stuff, but then you can do a search. And this is one of the most powerful parts of the tool. There's, there's a lot of different filters. So there's academic filters like major. Of course, if your child knows what they want to major in, that's a biggie. And everybody realizes that one, but you can also pick like how far the school is from your house. You might be a kid who's like, I want an adventure. I'll go anywhere. Or you might be, yeah, you know, I'm in the Pacific Northwest. Some kids want to stay in the Pacific Northwest. So that's a, that's a personal fit feature. Also size of school. We have it broken down by small school, 5,000 and less, and then 5,000 to 15,000 medium and 15,000 and more. And you can keep it wide open and see what you get, or you can break it down. So we're trying to help the student really look at some of those pieces, the academic and personal. So they're not completely left out because they're important as well. But those are some of the filters that deal with the academic and personal fit. And then there's a lot of filters around the financial fit, of course. There's over 3,000 colleges and universities. So having one database that has detailed information about all of them is is just a really helpful tool. And I think it's actually, I don't know what the price would be. It's invaluable. It's an invaluable tool. Yeah, and once you put in your filters and you hit search, then you get a list of schools. Say you say medium schools in California that offer engineering. So then you get your list, which is fine. But then you can sort it by what matters to you. And that could be need-based aid, merit aid. You have a projected four-year net cost that you want as a family. There's, there's about seven or eight different ways you can sort it. The most common is I want to see the schools that meet need the best or I want to see the schools that are best for merit. So if you were to pick merit, you're going to get the schools that are medium-sized, California, offering engineering, that are going to offer the best merit aid for your child, not just the best merit in the state of California. It's specific to the grades and test scores that you inputted into the software. So it, it just, new schools pop up that are amazing gems that you would never know about. And then you just add them to your list. And then you've got all the information about them and you can start seeing reports and projections. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just a really easy way to build a list and to really find new schools that are affordable and hopefully are good academic and personal fit as well. Well, you use the word gems and I'm with 3000 possible colleges and universities. Probably most of us have heard of 5% of them. So there's so many places that could end up being a wonderful match. And so this tool is really remarkable that you can personalize it and then find something and do some research into that institution. And wow, you could end up with the perfect fit. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So are there certain family situations that make this process and planning for it even more nuanced than what we've already been talking about. Yeah, there's a few situations and I'll touch on a few of them. If if you're a family or you have a sister or a friend that's either divorced or separated, that brings in a whole 
different set of nuances without getting into too much detail because we only have 30 minutes. There's two financial aid forms and one of them that almost all colleges only require, they only look at one parent and they call that the custodial parent. And there's a definition of a custodial parent. So that is a huge planning opportunity, especially if you're 50-50 custody, which a lot of families are nowadays. So just um, I just want to plant that seed for divorced and separated families. There's definitely some nuances. If you have multiple kids in school at one time, like I had twins, so that was my reality, right? But a lot of people will have a sophomore and a junior in high school, right? So they're going to have years where they have what I call crossover years. That's a real planning opportunity because expected family contributions, different things can change. Families that are sitting on a lot of home equity, and I see this sometimes where there's a lot of money in retirement accounts, which by the way are not included, which is wonderful, the balances in your retirement accounts, and not a lot of non-retirement money, but they own their home free and clear and it's worth a million and a half dollars. Well, some colleges will look at that pretty heavily and other colleges won't look at it at all or everywhere in between. And that nuance, that we actually have that built into our software in the form of tranches, right? We have three or four different groups of how colleges do that. So when you see our projected discounts, how they treat home equity is taken into account. Another thing is business owners. So if you're a business owner, and when I when I say business owner, if you have a small business, which is family owned with less than 100 full-time employees, there's some differences in how your business is looked at and the way the colleges, some of these colleges will review your business returns. It's well worth getting support from a professional that knows how to navigate that and what what the colleges are doing when they review your tax returns and how they might be changing your forms. We're not going to talk about this in depth today, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there's there's something called the FAFSA Simplification Act. If you haven't heard of it in the media, it's the most of the bill that was passed in late 2020 is going to go into effect for the 24-25 school year. So if you have a rising junior, that's when it's going to go into effect for for your child. There are going to be changes just to complicate things even more with divorced, multiple kids in school and business owners. That's going to change it. So if if you have a senior, rising senior, or you have kids in college and you're listening to this because you have younger kids, you know, write that down, FAFSA Simplification Act, because it's something that's coming up the pike and it's it's going to make some changes and more planning opportunities, basically. So I want to reiterate a point we made prior to this, because part of what I take away from this conversation is, yeah, you really do get an advantage if you start addressing college planning earlier, because you might make a different decision about how you want to allocate your savings and investment dollars. Maybe paying down that mortgage is not the best approach, for example. Um, Maybe you might want to make a change in how you're doing things with your business. So you can't do that if you're just starting the search when the child is a senior. You have to have time. So time is very much of the essence. Yep. Yep. Very true. I 100% agree. So we are coming to the end of our time together, unfortunately. You're a wealth of information. It's truly, truly remarkable. I thought maybe we could wrap up here 
with your story about a student who got accepted to the school that he wanted, but he did not get the amount of aid that the family expected. And they came to you and tell us what you advised him to do and how it worked out. Yeah. So this was a family that I had worked at previously for their older daughter. So they kind of knew what they were doing and they did their planning for their son. And then as Sasha just said, they got what's called a financial aid award letter from the school and it wasn't what they expected. So they reached out and said, Peg, you know, what do we do about this? So I will tell everybody listening, you can appeal to the colleges. There's a right way and a wrong way to do it, but you absolutely can. And your child will not, they will not get mad and rescind admission, right? They, they have whole departments that handle appeals and deciding if they're going to grant appeals, grant the ask or not. And so what I did with this family is I looked at the award and I went into CAP and I looked up the college and I said, okay, they have some need-based aid eligibility. And this family made a little shy of 200. So they're, they're, they're making decent money, right? But with two kids in school, there was still some need-based aid eligibility. And I looked up in CAP and I crunched the little numbers for two minutes and realized, you know what? They're not really meeting need to the extent that they self-report. They're way off, right? So I thought, okay, we've got some wiggle room here. This student did not get merit aid, but he wasn't really eligible. So that isn't something that I was going to address, right? And you can appeal the merit aid as well. And sometimes people don't realize that. So we stuck to a need-based appeal. And in this case, they really wanted to talk to the school because there was a tight deadline. This child had, had applied early decision. Um, so it was a really quick turnaround on the deadline to say yes or no. So we called the school. I was on the phone with mom and dad, got a gut feel, talked to the woman um, a little bit, she gave them a little information and I kind of, like I said, got my gut check. We hung up the phone and I asked them, the first question was, what would make you happy, right? You're not going to have your full need met. That's not going to happen. And they said, you know what? If we get 10,000 more a year, that's more what we thought we were going to get. That aligned with my number crunching that that was reasonable because you really don't want to over ask because then they'll just deny because they think mom and dad aren't going to be happy. We'll give the money to another family like this is what's going on behind the scenes at these colleges. Right. Remember, it's all about net revenue. So they made an ask, which is very important to always make an ask, not just say we want more. Be very specific. They asked for the 10,000. The son wrote a letter being very effusive about why he loved this school, which was all completely true. He was dying to go there. Mom and dad attached a letter with some more data, but also saying, we're thrilled to send our child to your school. We would love to do it. And if you can give us 10,000 more a year, we can make it happen. And they came back and said, here you go. And I wasn't surprised, honestly, because I knew it wasn't too big an ask and I knew they were undercutting them. But if the families don't know that. They don't ask. And then the college just keeps that in their endowment, basically. Right. So it was huge because it was a 40. They wrote back and said, you will receive this every year. So it's a forty thousand dollar discount for this family on top of what they were already getting. Right. So that's just that's the kind of stuff where all of us that do this are just like, this is why we do this. Right. This is what gets us out of bed. You know, those kind of stories with families because you're really changing their life, their financial life. And you're making it possible for their child to go to their dream school, you know, start their next chapter. Truly so wonderful that we can 
share with people what some of the possibilities are here. I hope that after listening to this today, our audience will feel more encouraged about options, possibilities, and strategies, and people that can help them with that. So Peg, you've been wonderful, very generous with your time, full of great ideas, and I really appreciate you being with us today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for listening to Money Conscious. Visit us at millstoneevansgroup.com. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Sasha Millstone. Sasha Millstone is the president and an investment advisor with the Millstone Evans Group, a registered investment advisor located in Colorado. All opinions expressed by Sasha and her podcast guests on this show are their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the Millstone Evans Group. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.